Mots. Hey, Danny. I just did that song in an impromptu way. It's pretty great, and it's the best way to open up, unless we were Dude, singing. this actually sounds like a, a Broadway, because you know, one of the things about Broadways is sometimes there's like that, you expect them to say it, but then instead they are saying it like that, right? Yeah. Like they, that's what Broadway is. They walk uh, out and you're like, <sighs> you, 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 they come out on stage and they start talking a little bit. Then all of a sudden they're like, you say the price of my love's not a price that you're willing to pay <laughs> like that. Right. And then they start, they start, you know, they start it up and then you're just like, you cry in your tea, which you hurl so, in the sea when me, you see me, me go Hamilton, by. Since now you're singing Hamilton. I mm-hmm. recognize that a mile away. Um, that is, um, what is that? That's track six or seven on the on the on the soundtrack. Because that's all. That's the only Hamilton I've experienced. I have not been fortunate enough yet. But do, is there any dialogue in the play that's outside of the songs that are on the soundtrack? No, it's it's a one to one essentially of it. So when I when when they originally came out, I didn't know that, and and I've gone to quite a few different musicals, but I've never listened to the soundtrack beforehand. And there usually is some sort of dialogue or overarching theme, but it is right. it is a one to one. So my friends who went with me, like you have it memorized. I don't have it memorized. I was looking at Genius.com, but uh, they had it memorized. So that's why I remember I told you it was a little bit different experience for them than for me because I was just like, this is amazing. I didn't even know that it was a one-to-one lineup um, right. with the actual soundtrack. And I will say what we've been doing now is Heather and I have been going back and listening to the soundtrack uh, quite a bit more, to be honest with you. And uh, it's been really fun because it's very different uh, than the actual show because there are obviously different singers or different actors or different things going on. But it is very good. I enjoy uh, both of them. And and I re- so I really like the King songs, the King George songs. They're yeah, yeah. my favorite. Oh, yeah. He's great. He's great. And yeah, Jonathan Gruff mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in the soundtrack. Yeah. And he maybe on the soundtrack is the closest to the actor that was playing him in Chicago. I don't, it wasn't the same person, but they sounded very right. close. And our Hamilton, uh, Alexander Hamilton, um, right. was actually quite different. I would say he had a lower, deeper voice. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Lin-Manuel Miranda is a... Well, he obviously doesn't pride himself for being like a professional like singer. He's a... He's like an... He's an artist and he's obviously super talented, capable of singing, rapping, writing... Whatever, right? But I'm sure that as they get as the as the plays expanded, I'm sure there's been a number of different people casted in that role that probably have really different singing voices. Like, you know, not necessarily better. He's the original, but probably like more like classically tuned, mm, right? Yeah. More classically trained to do that type of singing. I would bet. Yeah, I think I think <clears throat> but, so. Um, but it's very good. I would still recommend. We've been analyzing it now, and you, when you prompted the question last week of. Should I go see the show, even though I know it per heart and I know it one to one? And Heather and I were having that conversation back and forth about it and how we were happy in a way that we didn't see it ahead of time. But had we listened to it as many times as you have, I don't know if anyone could, but I think I still think that we would want to see it because it was a a very different experience. I think when you see it, it, it actually just brings it to life more. So while we're enjoying listening to the soundtrack, we're still missing that Hamilton in our life. So I think it is a different experience. I would right. still recommend. I mean, it'll keep going for like a bajillion years, right? So yeah, uh, no, I mean, it's uh, it's like the biggest. It's the biggest thing ever of biggest things. There are big yeah. things, and then there's the biggest things ever, and and the the Hamilton. I mean, obviously that thing is just out of control. And, Hamilton. Well, we weren't really planning on diving into that conversation. It's like to start, but. 
I would ask you what's new, but I don't need to, along with the rest of the Twitter sphere, because I can see the things you've been tweeting as you travel throughout Paris and find your find uh, different types of meals to shove in your mouth. So why don't you tell those who are listening to this podcast and didn't know that you're 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 in Paris eating eating delicious meals every day. I am every every day. When in Paris is my series of tweets that I had, and so I'm in Paris right now. Uh, Paris, that's Paris for people, and that is in. You have to say in your tweet, like when you read this tweet. Say Perry, right? Perry. You gotta hey, pronounce this correctly or don't read the tweet at all. Exactly. Right? Yeah, Perry. It's 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 and I should have put some French in there because I did take French many years ago, but I don't remember any of it. Right. Now I will say though, what's really cool is I'm here for a conference, it's going pretty good so far, and just kind of meeting with some customers and whatnot. But Heather and I were here for the weekend, so we've been kind of doing stuff. By the time this shows out, I think I'll be home by then. But um what's kind of cool is that I decided that, you know, we're going to do the traditional France type of Paris experience, which is like a lot of wine and cheese, and like Parisian food. And we stayed in a really cool area on the 11th. But I've been tweeting out photos of very non-Parisian food. And I've been joking because I'm very hipster. The first thing I did was when in Paris eat avocado toast because the very first place we went to was brunch and heather got avocado toast with an egg on it and i got pancakes with bacon on top of it and it was stuffed with bananas right. and it was delicious this, this sound this is like something you would find in a hipster american restaurant right yeah i mean it doesn't this is not paris not that i'm an expert on food from paris okay i'm not pretending to know anything i don't know but it, you're right it looks very american yes but it was delicious and then all of my french followers got very upset so then uh, the next day, I tweeted out, when in Paris, eat dumplings. <laughs> <laughs> you take it from when in Paris, eat what is clearly American versions of nice hipster breakfast, bacon on, on pancakes, to eat Asian food, I guess. Um, eat some Asian food. It's great. It was on... phenomenal, though. Um, I love it. We also I did eat a lot of cheese and a lot of bread and uh, some great wine. So in general, I was going to say you good. better you better have hit that wine, yeah. Yeah, but then we decided that I was going to. I don't know if you've seen this movie, but we. I wanted to be really meta of watching a movie about Paris when I'm in Paris to see right. if we've done the things in Paris that are in the Paris. Or the movie so about Paris. So obviously you watched uh, Werewolf in Paris, American no. Werewolf in Paris. <laughs> That's not what we did. That's not what happened. <laughs> to see if we could re- replicate becoming werewolves while we're in Paris. Right. I was going to say, you find some really weird French guys, yeah. get involved in some sort of underground scene. Okay, I'm with you. It got real freaky, real crazy, real fast. It was just very in a, it just not, it's not a good situation. So we watched uh, Midnight in Paris. Have you watched that? Okay. With Owen Wilson? I have not. Okay. It's a Woody Allen movie. It opens with seven minutes of just shots, um, like vignettes. I don't know if that's a real word um, of of Paris, and then like um, soundtrack, and then it's like it's like Owen Wilson falling in love, but then getting transported back to like the 1920s Paris. He's a writer. It's very interesting, but it was kind of cool because we got to point some stuff out. So it was, it was pretty good. Just doing a lot of Parisy type stuff. When in Paris, when in Paris, do like the Parisians do? And I eat like dumplings. that. You know, it reminds me of reminds me of. You know, the kind of thing people should do and, and more and more and more classrooms are doing is this thing, project based learning. And yes. uh, I, I'm thinking of that because my kids are on fall break this week and therefore not in class that oh. they should be their home oh, no. torturing their parents for the majority of the day. Loving. We, were, we call that loving. Unable to find. They're loving, of course. You know, it's it's all great, and I really am a am a hypocrite to say that because I'm I've been in my studio since 
7 a.m. recording things and preparing for some big chess matches this week while my wife is at home with all four of the kids. So um, I, I just texted her. I was like, gosh, I, I forgot to bring leftovers. I got to figure out some way to get lunch. And she's like, she's like, oh, no, I feel so bad for you. You have to go somewhere and eat alone with oh, nobody no. around you. You know, <laughs> anyway, but uh, no, but project based learning is a real thing that um, beyond the Anybody who speaks uh, common core language, or let's we'll call it higher order thinking, I, I'm in, I'm involved in the education scene partly because my wife's a teacher, partly because with our scholastic site chesskid.com, we're always finding more ways to try to integrate chess within the classroom, and and I won't get into all that because it's it's a very long story. But we'll say this: I I have learned more about both the bureaucracy of our national education system as well as the actual language that teachers speak, and and what is most effective, and what are being what's being implemented in the classroom these days because there is a very large gamification of education movement going on where people are trying to find ways to do things that really pique kids' interest. And one way to, that they've always done that is project-based learning where like, okay, if you're in Paris, let's say you're not even in Paris, they just decide this week, like this week in the classroom, we're all in Paris. We, 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 we try to speak as much French. We talk about France. We learn all these things about France. Our, our history lessons are about France. So we would look into Napoleon and the French Revolution, right? So Everything you do within a week is all centered around that one project, and studies have shown that everything you learn sticks with you so much more when there's like, one, you're sort of entrenched in it for even just a small period of time, but a week is enough to really make an impact. Um, and I did that when I, before I went to Russia and did a bunch of, you know, Russian project-based learning and learned things about, you know, the Bolshevik, you know, party and then the, you know, the, the revolution and all kinds of things about communism and the start of all that I've like never forgotten. I swear, like, I know more about Russian history probably than I do about a lot of American history. Oh, that's super cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's something I just wanted to say. As you were talking about that, I was thinking, like, this sounds like a project-based learning yeah. sort of approach to something. And that's actually really cool. Yeah, I will say, like, I know that the project-based learning is really cool. I have uh, my bosses. They were sending their kids to school. And Miguel, he was telling me that his daughter is – they pick a topic for the year, though. And I don't know if this is how it is for your kids, but they they're like they're learning about whales and then it's everything around the whale. So like not only the math and like about the whale, but like the ocean where the whale lives, like the impact on the ocean and then the impact on us and like the mathematics between like the the, the science or whatever, and the, the mating, all that, all that craziness. It's like really cool thing about it. I just remember sitting and. And like crunching numbers, you know what I mean? And and flipping yeah. through textbooks that I didn't care about. Um, but right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, no, I mean, it that, sounds like you're exactly what it is. A, a, yeah. a year is a year seems a little like long. Sometimes they do it like quarterly, maybe it's, like, maybe it's quarter wise, but but yeah. it's but it's you no, know, but it's, that's exactly what it is. And so you you find you know you dive into the math of it, you dive into the um, you know the 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 history of it, you dive you know writing projects and papers, and so you can really do and and judge how well a student is doing while you're just studying one singular subject. And um, anyway, so project based learning is like a big part of I think part of the future because as they're gamifying the classroom, they're trying to make project based learning projects around even games. Like Microsoft uh, is big in that and pushing yeah. like Minecraft in the classroom yeah. and stuff. And, we're all about that anyway, Minecraft. So life. that's a now. Let me ask I you. I get though. into that because let me ask yeah, you something. We we could spiral into Minecraft and go down a rabbit hole of me not understanding it. But you wait, didn't your kids just literally start school? How are they on fall break already? I felt like they just went back so to school two Arizona weeks ago. Arizona has this. 
What no, but hell? Arizona has this um, there's something that I, I originally resented, and, and and there are periods of the year where I always get reminded because it's so different from others that it is different and awkward, and I always do that sort of you know thinking process. Do I really like this? But I actually do like it because Arizona has transitioned to what is officially really a year-round school school system. It's year-round, and the way they get away with that is that there's never a gap that's more than 90 days. And as long as you avoid that, you can consider yourself a 90-day, uh, sorry, a, a year-round program. So my kids actually started school, if you remember, like on July 31st. They started when it was July. Man, time flies. Right? Oh, my goodness. It's, do you I know mean, it's right? October already? Crazy. It's crazy. It's October, right? I mean, it's so they started in July which is a lot of schools, districts still don't start till post Labor Day. I feel like when we were kids, it was always like, you know, Labor Day was like the last weekend of freedom, right? Yeah, or like yeah. first weekend, end of September, right? And then, so so they start in July, then they get a break in fall, then they'll get a, a week for Thanksgiving, then they'll get about 10 days, two weeks, depending on the year for Christmas, and then they'll get a week for spring, and then they'll get summer break, which will end up being about 60 days, mm. and then they'll be back in school again. So it's just a different system, but it is... um. I'm honestly starting to like it a lot more. A lot of them are, you know, I'll be honest. Um, and again, I know a lot about this aspect of it because my wife's a teacher and because of, you know, our, we're both, she and I are both kind of obsessed with education. I think if we have our way in 20 years, we'll probably start our own school and do something. Cause I just feel like so many things we're obsessed about with the brain and learning and ways to do things better and different than have been done for years. But I'll just say this there, you know, the, in, in demographics that are, we'll call them more blue collar, right? To not, I mean, it's like there are a demographics where there's also a big class separation between the wealthy and, and those living, you know, on assistance or below, even below the poverty line. And, and in demographics like that, year round school systems have been shown to be so much more effective because one, you know, they don't have the stable home life where if kids are not in school and learning, it, like the summer break, like they really do take steps backward. Mm -hmm. They just, they, they can't keep on top of everything they've learned. So the teachers in lower demographic, you know, uh, areas have spent so much time re-catching kids up where it's like the first month of September in, in those areas was always like reviewing of the previous year. And I even remember doing that as a kid, like the first month, it's like, we're going to review what you learned in fifth grade. Now you're in sixth grade. But this system has been one that has been shown to kind of move things along a little faster and keep kids engaged in, in terms of critical thinking because... But Shauna knows a lot about this stuff, and she's kind of educated me that the studies have shown that it really is a better format. And I like it for my kids. I think they're doing well. So, <laughs> Man. Anyway, there you go. There's, cool. my, there's Danny Rant on education that nobody intended for us going on. Danny but, uh, Rant's you know. on education. <laughs> Play that jingle. We should have a little jingle where I'm talking, and then you just, you know, like Zach Galifianakis on Between Two Ferns, where, like, there's yes. someone's talking, and then he just, like, presses the button to get rid of them. <laughs> Do you ever watch Between Two Ferns? Yes, I have, and it's and it's glorious. I know they stopped too. doing it, but that was yeah. like my that was my favorite web series for a while. Yeah. I love that. It was that, and then I think I moved over. My my web series after that was um, Two Comedians and a Car Getting Coffee or whatever with uh, Jerry oh, Seinfeld. I, I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, it's Jerry Seinfeld. I gotta see it. It's great. So Jerry Seinfeld, he owns a bunch of cars. And he created this web show. It's like, yeah, two comedians in a car getting coffee. And he goes and he knocks on random people's doors or calls up his random friends and he picks them up and they go get a cup of coffee. And just, oh, and they're always in different cars that he owns. So there's all these really cars and some are like these really old rickety ones. And he picks up uh, Ricky Gervais one time in this old like rickety, I don't know if it was a Porsche or something like that, but it was like really old. And like, you know, those old cars that are really low to the ground, you can feel every bump. And like Ricky Gervais is just like very, 
you know, you know, funny and very foreign accent, like British or whatever, like hilariousness. But he just goes and they go get coffee. Now they don't get like good coffee usually. They go to like a diner and get like diner coffee. So I, it's not that's not the best accent. But Jerry just will interview them for like you know 15, 30 minutes. We'll put a link to that. It's great. You should definitely check that it's out. Fun. Yeah. I, I, I've never checked it out. But yeah. I think I, I like the Galifianakis one partly because it's it's a little more over the top, like really critical, uh, really just sat you know sat- satire satire. <laughs> Satirical, satire, satirical, cylindrical. Uh, it's not no. a, it's not a real interview, right? No. It's Zach Galifianakis fake just insulting people to their face, right? Yes, it's, it's, um, until they leave. So, right, I just that's why I was imagining as I was rambling that you would just press the button, and kick me out. Oh, that's what editing was for. Uh, oh, there you go. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So I, I will check that out. I got to check out the the jury Seinfeld thing. But there's another thing that we're all gonna have to check out after your next segment because. Whatever you come up with each week always has us on the edge of our seats, and then we usually have to learn something about technology that we may or may not have wanted to know about. So, Mots, why is technology ruining our lives or helping our lives this week that we didn't know about? Yeah, this is a crazy one. This literally just happened today. Uh, you know, have you ever seen these Google cars? Not the Google, the Google Maps cars. Have you ever seen those or know oh, about yeah, them? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're 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 the thing that makes Google Maps. My kids amazing. love seeing them. By the way, sorry to interrupt you. My kids love seeing them. They love seeing. They're them. crazy. They're like a they're like a car with a spaceship antenna on top. Right. On top. Yeah. And what, what I actually I saw one of them in Seattle like the other day on the highway. And it was bananas because this thing is just booking down the road. And it has this. It almost looks like someone duct tape a huge antenna with a huge <laughs> right. ball like arts craft project on top. Yeah. It it. Doesn't look like it got the most investment from Google. I agree. It, it doesn't look great. It doesn't look like it's tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, right. Now, what's cool though is that if you've ever dreamed about driving one of these cars, but you couldn't get into the Google program where they would pay you to drive around to become an, a Google Map streetcar viewer, you can now turn your own car into a <laughs> Street View Ready program. Uh, you can you can plop down about thirty five hundred dollars, and you can get one of these Insta three sixty cameras, and they're going to give you a, a camera you just slap right onto your roof, and you can sign up to be like dedicated. I'm checking this out. What's what's the point? Like, are you are you getting paid for this? Or I don't think so. No, you're just, just you're doing it because you. Okay, I. Sorry. Yeah, I'm blacking out here. Go ahead. <laughs> so so the only thing that I mean, this is it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, if you have cash to burn, but the only thing that is kind of interesting is that one, this is a super cool camera. You, you can do more than just uh, do the street ready thing, the street view ready program. Um, how? <laughs> but I like that they have four certifications, mobile, auto as an automotive, as the article points out, VR and workflow. I don't have no idea what that means. Now, the one thing that I will say is cool. Have you ever, I don't know, I, I, we're looking at a lot of houses and we get really upset whenever there's not a street that is street viewed. There'll be like all these yeah, streets yeah. and then not that one. You're like, what just happened on well, that one shocking. street? It's shocking because, I mean, there are, like, so many remote streets that have it. Like, I mean, like, I mean, where I live, right? I mean, there's, like, places, places like, really off the beaten path that have it. So so if you're anywhere, like, you figure, like, within reason of, of any sort of, like, you know, suburb area and it doesn't have it, you're just like, yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I under, I've been there, yeah. I, I don't know if Google is actually necessarily paying anyone to do this, but what's interesting is that they may end up using your street view 360 degree imagery on google maps so like if you can get a better image for a given location via their algorithms like you'll show up 
in the actual Google Maps app and on the on the website and stuff like that. So if you did live in a rural place and, you, and you're like point crazy and you're like, sometimes people are just really driven by really random goals. Like I'm going to map, I'm going to map all of the desert. You know what I mean? Like random streets in, right. in wherever, you know, not even streets. South they Dakota. like, you know, they hook it to the top of like a, uh, you know, they hook it to the top of like an off road vehicle. Yeah. And you just go and wherever. They're, they're going to map this, you know, 100 square mile area in the, you know, <laughs> in the desert, in the desert or yeah. something. Now we're talking, yeah, right? I mean, that's crazy. Those are those are the things that I think could benefit one, you know, type of business like later on where we're, you know, like I said, where we're strategically putting these Pokemon in areas that are super remote and people have to go find them. You know, then you're like, oh, that guy who took that Insta360, like, man, that guy's really helping me out right now. But otherwise, I just don't know. I, I don't know. I, you're not going to do this? I mean, I you have a you have I, a little I, dune buggy, don't you, that you can just... I do have a little... Uh, an Ar- it's an Arctic cat. People can Google that. I can even give you the model Arctic Cat. It's a uh, it's an off road vehicle, recreation vehicle. But it's not it's not the not the fanciest schmanciest. It's 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 kind of old. But I actually tricked it out over the over Christmas for Sean. I don't think I ever told you that. I added no. like some like light bars and like a new like leather seat to it. It was actually uh, like I mean I I, I kind of pimped the cat. Yeah. I pimped out the cat. I, I you know whatever happened to that show by the way? How come nobody gets their ride? Pimped, pimped out no you can't you can't get it pimped out anymore it's it's, it's against the law <laughs> it's no the, longer the, a thing the pimping of cars has stopped has ended okay so i i i went old school you know for us uh for us 90s where whatever, did exhibit go I, I mean i thought he was gonna exhibit go i thought that he is, was gonna give it to us you know what he did x gave it to you but we apparently we wanted no more of it so yeah um game over you know what's you know what's crazy speaking of now that we're diving into the world of x go and give it to you um wait no no that's dmx oh that's right that's right oh, oh, my, oh my goodness as, soon as i said it i realized that was dmx oh my goodness what was exhibit's big one um but my kids so uh nash almost 12 not quite the other day was singing uh, what is it? To the roof goes up, to the lights go out, to my legs give out, can't shut my mouth. Right, he's singing the Eminem song, and I was, I was like, where did you hear that? He's like, oh, dad, it's a sick song. I'll play it for you. And I'm like, dude, I know that song. I like that song it... was a hit when I was a teenager. Okay, you're not, you don't need to play that song. You need to stop listening to that song right now. Um, but he always, he does find clean lyrics. One day, you know, you may, or anybody else who has kids that are becoming teenagers may experience this, where you do have that, that, that need as a parent to just totally break all of your own boundaries and invade their privacy. Mm-hmm. And you want to see their web history and you want to see what's going on. And it is, it is so adorable that when we check out Nash's web history, he always looks for what we told him to look for, which is lyrics only versions of song or clean version of a song. And he actually Googles it. He actually types it in that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. How adorable is that? That is How super, adorable is yeah. that? It's super adorable, it's super right? Adorable. He's actually it's, going it's out he, of his way because we tell him, like, hey, if you're going to listen to music, it better be clean music. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the ideal situation that you would you would like. Right. So, so exhibit. It's capable of. Exhibit had a song called X. He goes, yeah, yeah. ladies no, and I, gentlemen, broadcasting live to you and yours. It's me. It's Mr. X to the Z exhibit. Yeah. Bouncing. Come on. <laughs> Hook. Rearrange the whole game with my rugged sound. Won't ever say your name when I come around. Stay on top, but remain from the underground. Oh, it goes X. Yeah, it goes X. Rearrange the whole game game with my rugged sound x won't even say your own name when i come around x 
stay on X, top or remain right. from okay, the yeah, yeah. X to the Z, and we yeah, okay, all in yeah, the family. Yeah. Wow, First I'm pretty all, white. We do dramatic readings. It's time for 90s hip-hop dramatic readings with James Montemagno. Yeah, like, ladies and gentlemen. Random <laughs> Broadcasting just live like that. to you and yours. It is oh Mr. X to the Z exhibit. Yeah, bounce in. Dramatic read. Come on. That's pretty good. Man, I can't believe we mis- mixed up our DMX and our exhibit. Well, no, you did it right. I mean, I, I mentioned, I, you know, we got on this team. How did we get on this? T- oh, I, I pimped my cat. Then we talked about the disappearance of pimping my pimping rides and, you know, the tragedy that was the absence of now no more rides being pimped. And then um, Exhibit was the host of that show, right? Yes. And so you Accurate. just knew it. You jumped to that. And then it's natural to say X going to give it to you when you're thinking Exhibit. Because he's going to give it to you. You know, he is going to give it to you. And, and DMX is also going to give it give to, it to said you. you. You, yeah. Um, but uh, you know what? I'm so glad those guys all, all you know, got their, you know, they got paid. So Yeah, they got paid. You know who else is, I heard, is, di- <laughs> we're going to change topics immediately. You know who else is, uh, was di- dishing it out? I look as our man Carl, dishing and out got paid. the- Guess who else got, got paid? paid? Guess who else got paid? Carl. Carl Magnuson, actually known as Magnus Carlson. He finished the chess.com Isle of Man International with seven and a half out of nine points. That's great. Uh, That's a performance a... rating over 2,900, which is a Ooh. which is a big deal. It means even for a guy of his level, he didn't like lose rating points winning the tournament when he's higher rated than everybody. Um, and he got a check for 50,000 euros, Whoa. which it's if like you're doing that, it's still worth more than the dollar, I think, right? It's a, yeah, we just looked it up. It's about a 1.15 or a 1.2. So it's so. close. They're close to even now. Yeah. yeah. They're coming around, but, but still, it's like home, 60 grand. Yeah. So it was great to have Magnus play in our in our open event. We talked about the format that defines these types of events as being different than other elite chess events last week. Um, so if you're a first time listener but long time lover of things that are, you know are 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 an acquired adorable taste, then you're going to want to back up and check out our previous podcast. We are we are adorable but acquired, right? The first few podcasts, people are like, "What is this? This is coffee. What are they talking about? This is about? a guy who what is he talking? He knows tech and then a chess like." How do these guys even know each other? But as people listen to us more, just like coffee, we are adorable, but it's an acquired adorable, right? It's the most acquired adorable. It's on a, a caliber level of a acquiredness of adorableness <laughs> it, to another level. It really, it's like an IPA. It right? is. It's like, you know, there's their beer has hops. an acquired taste. And then you've got IPA where like there are people that love beer that'll never get behind IPA because they just can't drink enough of it to get it, you know, to make it an acquired taste. So... So, but anyway, I don't know why I got back on our podcast veering away from Carl's big win, but here's what's going on. This week, Carl got, Carl got a big win at the Isle of Man, Classic. but he's playing in another big event Ooh. on our site this week. By the time people are listening to this podcast, uh, the results will be in. We expect Magnus to win against Grandmaster Gadir Gusienov of Azerbaijan. He will likely move on to the next round. But, but, Mats, by the time people listen to this podcast, there will be a match going on on Chess TV that is the first ever of its kind. Whoa. It's, it's a... And I know what you're thinking, like, how is that possible? Chess has been... There's our, we've we've played it every way. There's no other ways. I've seen four-player chess. I've right. seen jumbo chess. I've seen chess chess. You've, you've seen this dog and pony dance. I have seen it. You, you've, 
And But here's how. It's not the chest that's different. It's the commentary. We are inviting two of the most foul-mouthed, potty-humored, though hilarious and popular chess personalities in the world, Grandmaster Ben Feingold and Grandmaster Simon Williams, to play a dual uh, trash-talking chess match. Whoa. Where they're going to trash-talk, and it, and we're taking the gloves off. It's rated R, and there'll be a parental advisory sticker on it. We've let people know, like, hey, this isn't normally our jam. Chess is a family sport. Chess.com is a family company. But, and have I told you the history of how this thing came about yet? No, I haven't heard about it at all, no. Okay, so this is great. So what happened was, and I'm going to include links to all this. So Ben Feingold, uh, he, he does he does commentary sessions for the Chess Club and Scholastic Center of St. Louis, which is, a you know, it's that big club in St. Louis. They're kind of like the chess capital in, in the U.S. these days. And he does commentary sessions there. And they often they, re- they will record these and upload them to their YouTube channel. But at one point during this session, he started making fun of of Simon Williams and like didn't even know his name. He's like, who's that English GM who always pushes his H pond? Yeah, he's a schmuck. He, what is he, like 1800? Like what an <laughs> idiot, right? And he just starts tearing into it. Now, now I know Ben is one joking, two, that's just his sense of humor. Like he's just like, and he actually said it in kind of a more witty kind of creative way than I just said, but that was basically the gist. Simon sees this video and then he posts it to his Facebook page and starts uh, just like diving into how weak Ben Feingold is, like as a chess player, oh, and says no. the only thing he could win is an eating contest because, well, Ben has Ben is a Ben is a is a heavy set guy. Okay, so we'll say that. Um, and so Simon just starts tearing into Ben like physically and like about it goes crazy, right? And like fans on social media were just going nuts for this. Now I know both of these guys super well, better than they know each other. And I kind of told Simon, I'm like, Yo, dude, calm down. Ben is just you know. That's just how he is. But then I see Ben on Facebook kind of going back at Simon. It becomes a Facebook war. And these two have never met each other even. Huh. So at one point, a fan a fan is like, hey, Danny, like, why don't you guys have these guys throw down mm. in a match on chess.com? Yeah. So not only are they throwing down, but since we announced it, we have actually had, I'm not going to disclose the amounts, but people are so into this. I will say this. Ben and Simon are playing for more money than any of the super elite GMs have played for in the Speed Chess Championship so far. People are donating money left and right to support their guy. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, just random cool. guys. Like, here's 2500 bucks. Here's 1000 bucks. Here's this. Like, it's just crazy. Is dude. it going to go to charity or how are they doing it yeah a bunch of it's going to charity and then some of it's going to them oh that's cool so um a bunch of it goes to the winner's charity and uh anyway so that's what we're doing it's it's a a crazy chess match if you're listening to this podcast it's probably it it starts at 10 a.m pacific on uh on thursday which is um october 5th yeah so if you're listening to this in the morning of when it comes out so hop on we'll tweet it it'll be in the show notes so you know, I know that everyone Even checks the show. People who know nothing about notes, chess so. m- might want to tune into that. Yeah, um, if you like potty mouth chess players, <laughs> if that's your thing, <laughs> if that's your bag, if that's your thing. I know it doesn't sound very becoming of us. It's the truth, and the people have ridiculed us, ridiculed us, and said, "Hey guys, why are you promoting this?" And we're like, "Look, our our intention was never for it to get out of control. These guys kind of like, you know, we're, we have actually, I've actually talked with both Ben and Simon, and they're actually becoming pretty good friends. That's good. But we I have like to that. like kind of keep that a secret. Oh no, we have to keep that a secret till after the match is over. So don't know? listen to. This. So if you were listening, stop listening. Go back thirty stop. seconds. It, pretend. Oh man, Danny. Damn, Danny did it again. Dan- whoops, Danny did Damn, it again. Dan- Plays uh, with my heart. Damn, Daniel. Let me. Um, <laughs> All right, so let me ask you a question, Danny. Um, How do you feel? So I was playing this chess game, and I was thrown. 
uh, I didn't, I was black, so I did not open. And, uh, this player who I played against, who may be a listener, I'll say the player's name, Timo main level seven opened a move that threw me, um, because I wasn't expecting it. You know, normally I see a, a, a strong E4, D4, Knight F3, if you're getting crazy with it, right? Uh, maybe right. a C4. Like, you know, maybe that's if that's if, yeah, if that's you're really stretching it. So this player opened with a strong C3. Um, and I, okay, I, I did, <laughs> a strong C3 <laughs> is a, a bit of an oxymoron. Yeah, um, that's a weird move. You're not you're not wrong about that. So I saw this and I and I got puzzled. I said, maybe they made a mistake. But then I realized that you actually have to hit the confirm button. So that'd be like two right. mistakes. Um, so I said, uh now so what'd you play? I played my uh, knight f6. That was like, you know, to figure that's the strongest move. And maybe I'm like, maybe we'll get back to like a normal opening. Like maybe at this point they're going to play a e4 or a d4 or something, right? Uh, and then they played a strong h4. And then I got um, confused, and I, I, even the computer at this point, I was like, maybe the computer can recommend what to do at this point because I'm very confused. And the computer was like, no, I don't, I don't even know anymore after three moves. Right, there's no more moves. There's no more moves in the database. <laughs> no one's ever played this before, and I didn't. Wow. And so, how do I analyze what's ha- like what's happening as as a player where I'm starting to learn these openings that I'm expecting from some from these strong players, and now I'm just like, I don't know what the hell is happening in this game anymore. So this is great. Yeah, this is great. This is a great question, a great learning experience. Even going to have a good story, I think. So. For years when I was living in the Valley, I um, was hired by this group, this uh, Jewish community center group that would, um, their, their, their retreat uh, was to the Desert Ridge Marriott in North Phoenix. You know where that is. I mean, you may remember. And it's, it's, a, it's a nice resort in, in North Phoenix, right? So the Desert Ridge Marriott would host this um, community center, and they were coming from New York. And um, and I, I don't know how I even got first hooked, first hooked up with these people. This guy must have just like Googled straight up like Arizona chess people. Or, I don't know why. But I got a call from this guy, and he was, you know, as 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 New York sounding as possible. And they would come out there and do these simuls. Sorry, they would, they would have this community get-together, but they would always have an event on a different day. And one of the events they decided they want to have, because a lot of, you know, the kids played chess, a lot of the adults played chess, was they wanted to do a chess master simul. Got it. Um, and maybe they weren't planning on doing it every year, but I think it went so well the first year. They had fun. Like, I stuck around. I, like, gave them some advice. And, I you know, I was like a 15-year-old kid then, totally willing to give away my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I'm still willing to give away my time. Like but, you do. No, that was, it was like, I spent there, I spent hours there, right? And so it went so well that they hired me back several years in a row. Mm. And I remember a conversation I had with somebody at this simul. And I've said it before on some chess shows when people have had similar questions like this, where he goes, so after I beat him and he was asking some questions, he's like, so you just had that game memorized, right? And, and I'm like, what? And he's like, well, you just, you just knew what to do. I mean, how else can you play so many people at once if you just, you just like, you kind of have all the games memorized. You're just pulling from memory. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. He goes, yeah, like, wait. Okay. So he's looking at chessboard, right? He's like, wait. So if I start, wait, wait, if I start with A3 and then he's like, look at my face. Now wait, 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 wait. (laughs) And then I play H3 
And then when you're thinking, I'm still going to go back to the center, then I play this move, like H4 or something, right? <laughs> yeah. So he's made three terrible moves that are completely not the best moves that you would know in opening theory, not moves you would find in your database that you looked in, not moves that would be good at any level of chess. And he's like, I would have you totally thrown off, right? And then you like, wouldn't, I don't know why when I talk about this guy, I always go into like a California bro. Like, yo, man, even though he was, ac- he was actually like, well, he was more of a New York... Now, if I go here, now, if I go here, anyway, so he, um, the, this guy's like, yeah, bro, I would have had you totally thrown off. And I, and at that point, I, it was the first time I had ever explained to somebody that one of the things that, that makes a strong chess player is that the principles are guiding your moves more than any sort of opening theory or memorization of what other masters have done. And what are the principles that we know? We know that pieces that are in the center are much better than pieces on the edge of the board because you have more options. You have more territories to control, right? You have more agility. Right. If you put a bishop in the center and it's like pointing toward the opponent's king, there's all those early checkmate options, four move checkmates and all these other things, right? Those sort of tactics happen because people are neglecting the critical areas of the board. They don't happen when both sides are equally fighting with the best moves, right? So you see where this is going, Mott's headed back to your story, right? So when you face somebody who's doing this, what I had to explain to this guy was like, look, you could play me, Kasparov, anyone. If you play bad moves, you're going to lose super quickly because, yes, I have a lot of openings memorized. And, yes, you know, if you play, like, some decent moves, I'm going to kind of know, you know, what the next response is based partly on just sort of, like, habit because you're playing, like, tournament moves yeah. that I know, right? Yeah. But overall, if someone shows up and is just, like, literally jumping the shark on every chess principle right? Just, you know, shooting themselves in the foot. I'm going to put all my pieces in the center and I'm probably going to win before move 20. Like, you know, not probably I'm going to win. The only question of probably is, will I win like, you know, 999,000 times out of a million? Like, (laughs) yes. Right. I mean, it's like, you just, you can't, you can't do that. And so if someone is playing a bad opening, the best knight of six was a good move against C3. And then what was his second move again? Remind Uh, me. H, H4. Okay. So that, that's a terrible move, right? Mm -hmm. So the best thing you can do is you know, use your center pawns, yep. get your pieces out as quickly as possible. What are the principles that you want to, that you learn? You learn control the center, develop all of your pieces once at least before you move any of them twice. Um, try to get your king safe. And if somebody continues to play moves like this, you should probably put your pieces in the center and then look to, you know, get jiggy with it against his king. I mean, there's no reason not to be super aggressive if you have a bunch of pieces that are actively placed and they're, and they're pushing their pawns. Got it. So yep. anyway, so that's the answer. And that's why, that's why there are no, there's no tricks there, right? I mean, there's no like, you can't, you can't like juke, you know, and chess moves, you can't juke somebody into the wrong direction. You know, you have to let go of the piece. And when you let go of the piece, if it's a bad move and not controlling the critical squares, the reaction for them is going to be known. And they're going to, you know, whether they know the opening or not, they're going to control the center and then crush you. So there you go. Boom. That makes sense, actually, when you, you when you, you fall back to your principles of, of how the game is played and what are the most important pieces and how do you progress through. And then that's how I should continue, like how I was going to open, which was start, you know, moving some pieces into the center and, and see if, uh, if a dance is about to happen. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, likely best thing for white to do would be to kind of wake up and to try to also go dancing in the center. But the fact that they've already wasted a couple moves at a high level, you know, that would be very, very difficult to recover from, you know, I mean, because you would, you know, you put pieces, 
and bad squares. Um, when you push the H pawn, you're making weaknesses on your dark squares near the near the king, G3 and F2. Like those are now potentially weak squares, and that's how stronger players think about chess. They don't think of just the immediate smoke that's in front of them with the current gun, you know, gun show, gunfire. They're always looking at the reason you look at pawns and squares is because they're the one thing that can't undo themselves. So when someone pushes a pawn, those squares are now forever weaker than they previously were. Got it. And as that continues, you're able to kind of develop plans around, hey, like you know. This is, you know, this is maybe an area that I can attack because X, Y, and Z has been committed by my opponent. So, got it. Look at us hmm. being all chess specific here, right? So I mean, chess. Look at this, a little. We should. We should do a podcast should, about chess. We should, probably. We, no, <laughs> no, we shouldn't. This is. We should do a podcast about coffee. I've been crushing my homemade coffee setup with your espresso uh, beans that you got me. I like that. Grinding my little heart out. Just FYI, grind out hand grinding. By the way, so now I've crossed this line where like. But after the first, like, you know, 10, 15 cups of hand grinding, I'm like, look at me. I'm the ultimate hipster. Like, you know, take that, Luke and Mots. You guys don't even hand grind your beans. We don't. I hand grind my beans, right? Yeah. And I'm hand grinding. And then these last few times, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm hand grinding my beans again. Like, yeah. this is taking forever. You, you realize you why know, the pros don't hand grind their beans, right? <laughs> right. But I actually adjusted the size of the of – the, adjusted the size of the – of the grind to be slightly bigger and it's actually what it should have been because i realized ah. i was grinding it way too small oh you're doing like an espresso um, fine yeah, yeah i was yeah, yeah that's i was going way overdone and that was con- c- common mistake know, just, common mistake right not that it wasn't good for my ambidexterity you know i work on my left and my right i kind of do both little you know i'm I'm doing the coffee grinder. Like if I was in a dance club, this guy could roll straight from the <laughs> dice shaker to the doing a coffee, you know, grind. to the sprinkler to the hook to the coffee grinder, the coffee and people grinder. would be like, "Oh my god, it's a rare dance move." That dude, that dude can but, grind some coffee. <laughs> that guy can grind some coffee. But uh, anywho's, um, that's other. What what else has been going on? I mean, I you know I don't know. I feel like we're coming to an end here on this beautiful part of the program. I think that is the end of the show for number twenty five, one fourth away through a hundred. That's quick math for you. One fourth. That's like our. Is this our silver anniversary? Is that what it is? Or mm. how does that work? I don't know. I gotta Google there's, that. Silver. There's, there's all kinds of weird anniversary. things applied to anniversaries. D- tw- is that twentieth? Twentieth. Twenty fifth. Is that uh, that's twentieth? Yeah. Wedding anniversary. Silver. Yeah. I mean, this is a marriage. I mean, it's a commitment. Oh, I see. You know. Oh, you know what people should get us for our twenty fifth is silver. Oh, I get it. I see. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. What do you so? Oh, a wedding gifts. Okay, this is interesting. List of right. wedding anniversary gifts vary by country. This is the tradition. What do you think for first year? There's traditional U.S. and then modern U.S. What do you think that the traditional U.S. wedding gift is? You are you're married. So first wedding. I guess this is wedding gift given to you. I assume. I mean, you're not given to you and your wife on your wedding your day, wedding? or is it given. I don't given it. It's just a male. You're saying this is given to the male, the the male party, or both together. The f- this is. I think it's anniversary gifts that someone gives. I, I'm not married, so I. I'm I'm gonna guess like a toaster oven. As a cl- maybe some dishes. Uh, so first year would be a traditional is paper, but modern is clock. Huh. Clock. That's weird. Yeah. So tenth tenth is. Oh, I guess maybe this is you give to them. I don't know. So tenth is usually tin. But then now it's modern diamond jewelry. Silver is always silver, silver, silver. And then sixtieth is diamond. Huh. I don't, I don't understand this. Tell you what, 
anyone wants to get me diamonds for any of those anniversaries, um, that sounds great. Actually, don't. Diamonds are bad. We don't like diamonds anymore. Oh, they're not forever. Now, if you want to buy us flowers for our twenty fifth, you can buy us a nice iris. That would be the proper. That's that's that would be phenomenal. 25th. I love irises. I also like tulips. Mm, little tulip man. I think they smell okay. That's what it is. I like I like a good. You know what I like to do is just go out and buy some flowers, and then they ask me why are you buying flowers now? Because it's Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I mean, do no, I, I need a reason? Too. Do I need a reason? It's Tuesday. I know that too. We're like, I'm always in line. If you're like, oh, someone's in the doghouse. Whoop, yeah. Or like they they just say something weird. I mean, Arizona, it's a little more, little more. Uh, I don't know what the politically correct term is, so I'm not going to say it. I don't know either, and you shouldn't say it. I, well, if anyone knows, <laughs> if anyone knows what this traditional modern anniversary gifts is, it's supposed to be given to us. It's supposed to be given to the man, to the woman, to both at the same. Like, oh, maybe you exchange. Send us in some you, feedback. You, yeah, you yeah. Both get each other clocks. Is that what happens on the first year of, there? I've I'm never going to get my. Why would I get my wife a clock? I, I mean, don't know. That's what it says, Danny. What if did you? Is so be on your more irritated when I come home late from work. I mean, I, I don't. She's, hold, the, she's the holding up the that. clock, and then you're holding, holding up her up clock. The clock that I got her. Like, I just got home, right? And I'm like, and she's like, I know. I've been watching the clock. All right, we must end this. So I'm talking about the clock. Let's get out of here, Danny. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. All right, We're buddy. Making up fights. All right, follow us. Uh, you don't on, want to make up fights. Follow us on the internet. You know where you're at. Blunders.fm. You can find us and subscribe. All right. <laughs> Do it. We'll talk to you later. All right. Love you, buddy. Bye. See ya.